You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Who's excited about having Kids Church back? This guy with five kids is very excited about having Kids Church back up and running. Oh, that worship. There was just so much revelation of the goodness of God swirling around. Oh, I think I may have slightly lost my voice just shouting and singing. Um, I missed you guys. I miss this, just having a normal Sunday. It's It's been a really big uh, past month for us, and I want to give you a quick recap. But first, I want to I admire the Holy Spirit one more time with all of you. Don't you guys just admire and appreciate the Holy Ghost? Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you for your abiding presence, that you are a comforter, our guide, that you are the rabbi within, <laughs> that when we make plans, you direct our steps. Woo! <laughs> You make even our failures look like divinely orchestrated victories. <laughs> You're so good to us, God. We welcome you to continue to reveal things from your scriptures. We welcome you to reveal the, the nature, the goodness, the face of Jesus and our Father, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of the Father, Holy Ghost. We appreciate you. We appreciate you so much, Lord. Amen. Uh, I mean, church is not church without acknowledging the Holy Spirit and enjoying Him, right? Church without the Holy Spirit is actually really boring. It's just a, it's a social club. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, he loves to do the same things today that He's always been doing. Greatness one of the greatest things about him is that he never changes, but somehow he always surprises us. How does he do that? It's like he's got, always got one more dynamic trick of, of love up his sleeve, and he's just going to release it on us. And somehow he has the ability to make every single person in the room feel like they're the most important one there. That as we're all praising him, in a, in a corporate song of adoration, he's walking, weaving throughout the room, loving on every single one as if he came just for that one. I just love that about him. Okay. Recap. I was, I was telling you, I was going to recap the last month. Um, it was a really big month. So I, I lost uh, my dad's sister, who is one of my, my, my dearest aunts. I just cherished this aunt of mine, and uh, her name's Aunt Brenda. And then a few weeks later, we lost my dad's, my dad's dad, my grandfather, Shuck, Grandpa Shuck. And so it was a really weird month to have lost Aunt Brenda and her father, my, my Grandpa Shuck. And uh, my Grandpa Shuck played a huge role in my life, a huge part in, in raising me and, and showing me what it looks like to be a, a responsible, good man, to be a, a, an integral part of community. Um, and so we were, uh, I was out of pocket a lot for funerals, um, but the, the funeral for, um, they, were both, they were both great, but especially for my grandfather, he was 94, 
and it, hundreds of people from the town showed up. He uh, planted roots in this small town called Williamston, Michigan, and lived there almost his whole life. He started the, uh, <laughs> do you mind if I just brag on my grandfather for a little bit? I have the mic, and it's cathartic for me. Um, <laughs> he started the sports association for the community because he, needed, he wanted something for his kids to do. He wanted something for my dad and my dad's uh, sister and, and uh, two sisters and brother to do. Uh, and so he started the, this you know, sports association that grew and grew and grew and grew. And now thousands of kids have played basketball, soccer, and football because of what my grandfather started. He was also the Eagle Scout of our uh, Boy Scout troop, which was a thriving, very large Boy Scout troop. And he's got a, over 100 Eagle Scouts to his credit. And I'm one of them. He was the kind of guy that just showed up. He would mow people's lawns. He would raise the, the flag at home football games. He was voted a citizen of the year in the town where I grew up. So I had big shoes to fill, and anytime I did anything wrong, people knew what family I was part of. <laughs> and it somehow always got back to my grandfather. Even if it was a county away, he still found out about it. Um, so we were out of pocket for funerals, and then uh, the Fall Fest was so much fun. You guys love the Fall Fest or what? It was a blast. Um, and, uh, and then last weekend, Ashley and I, we were blessed with a vacation with no kids. So it's actually a vacation. Parents know that if you go on a vacation with kids, it's called a trip. But if you go on a trip with no kids, it's a vacation. <laughs> Uh, and then I listened to this amazing podcast called Transformed by the Presence and Work of Christ by some reverend named Ryan Crowell. <laughs> Obviously, Ryan Crowell filled in last week, and his message just lit me up. Ryan, you did a great job, man. Thanks for holding down the fort. Um, and we've been, you know, behind the scenes as a staff, we've been working through the 2021 calendar. We're finishing up the purchase process of this building. Um, and there's going to be a lot of, like, moving parts behind the scenes. We're gonna, you're gonna, you might look at the staff, and we might look a little tired and haggard. Just pray for us. We're taking over a building. We're, we're taking land for all of us. And so it's, a, it's a, just a big month coming up, and it's a big month, month that was passed. Um, and over the past few weeks, Ashley and I, we had the, the honor and pleasure of visiting the Frisco youth, and then I visited the Dallas youth. We, we spoke at both of them, and I want you guys to know that Alexis is doing such an amazing job with our teenagers. He's not here tonight, so it's a really genuine moment of honoring him. I'm not even, like, you know, feigning for his <laughs> noticing that we're honoring him. He really has done an amazing job, and you can feel his heart of love for those teenagers. And so it was a powerful night. And then uh, when I was down in Dallas, uh, speaking to the youth, Ava was there. Um, we got a little goofy enjoying the Holy Spirit, didn't we? It was so fun. Um, so we started off with worship, and during worship, um, I got a word of knowledge, and I saw, I saw a kid with a, an injured knee. They were very sad because they couldn't play soccer. And so I thought, we, 
moving out of worship, we should head into words of, prophetic words of knowledge for healing and see if God uh, wants to heal someone on the spot because it would really impact the youth if they saw something like that. And so um, I got up on stage and I just said, hey, you know, sometimes God talks to us about injuries that other people have because God likes to heal. He doesn't want us to be in pain and he's still able to heal. And of course, they, they all know this, they're upper rumors. And so um, I said, I feel like God showed me an image of a, one of y'all with an injured knee and you're bummed out because you can't play soccer. Well, three people raised their hand and, uh, and I was like, okay, well, y'all just come, can you come to the front? And we sat them on the front row and I said, okay, now some of y'all gather around them, lay hands and, um, and, and we began to pray. The worship was still going. Uh, Ava was holding it down and, um, and I just said to him, hey, it doesn't require you finding some secret word or prayer in order for them to be healed. You just have to believe that God doesn't want them to be in pain anymore. And when I said that, I mean, I'd never said that before. It just, you know, came out of me. But there just you could feel the atmosphere just getting electric, you know, the goosebumps and the anticipation. And um, one of the kids is... Um, He's probably 14 or 15, just this sweet young man. Uh, he's sitting on the front row, and there's several kids around him praying for his knee. And I see him start to, like, feverishly, like, rub his knee, like, almost as if he was alarmed. And, and then I saw his head drop, his hand come up, and he starts sobbing, just weeping into his hand. A sweet kid in front of all of his buddies is just crying his eyes out. And, uh, I mean, I was getting really wrecked by the goodness of God in the moment. But I went over to him, and I was like, hey, bud, um, what's going on? And he said, I'm just so thankful that I can play sports again. Because <laughs> his knee got, like, miraculously healed. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Oh, stuff like that just wrecks me. I mean, when it happens to a, a teenager, you know that that's just going to mark his life. He's going to remember that. He's got this testimony. Oh, so good. Um, you know, we haven't had a lot of great sports moments this year where we got to cheer really loud, but we just heard a victory of God. Do you want to just celebrate God with me, what God did in that moment? All right, let's go. Thank you, Jesus. Yes! We rejoice, God, and we ask that that testimony would multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. Woo! The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's like, so when you take a testimony from one place to another, it's like carrying a burning log from one campfire to another place that needs fire. When you take a testimony of God's goodness from one place to another place, it's a burning campfire log where you can start it someplace else. That's the spirit of, t of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus. Oh, it was just so, so, so good. But I, uh, I started thinking about um, just, just that what I said, that we don't have to find the magic word. We just have to believe that God doesn't want him to be in pain anymore. And it's, it's, aligning our hearts with the compassion of Christ in that moment. There's, there's several 
verses in the New Testament where it says that Jesus, is, Jesus was stirred with compassion or he had compassion upon them. He looked on them like sheep without a shepherd, had compassion on them. And so he sat down and taught them many wonderful things. And so um, I believe that that same heart applies to intercession, that when we come into alignment with God's compassion for our nation, our prayers are powerful. Which means that we can't effectively pray for our leaders if we think that we're more righteous than them. Let me say that again. We can't effectively pray for the president if we think that we're better than him. If we think that we are on a higher level, a higher standing because of our devotion, <laughs> that's, that's actually a really, like probably the most deceitful form of pride to believe that we are on a higher level than someone else because of our devotion to God. And God resists the proud. You don't want God on the opposite team. You know what I mean? Like if you're lined up on the, on the football field <laughs> and you got your helmet down, you look up and there's Yahweh against you, like, <laughs> deuces, I'm out. Y'all take that one. <laughs> so he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the, and so when we put ourselves in a place of humility, you know, beneath our leaders and we lift them up. Guys, one of my favorite prayers to pray is, God, do for them what you did for me. Because in praying that prayer, I'm reminded that, of course, I'm no better than them. I'm in desperate need of God, just like they're in desperate need of God. I mean, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. You don't have to remember very far back to remember the last time God saved your butt and you experienced transformation because of his mercy. So we are a house of prayer. I once heard someone say that when you pray, it is the most basic stance of humility. It's the first step towards humility because you're saying, I'm not God, but someone else is and I need him. The prayer room is central to who we are. We minister to the heart of God through worship and prayer. Our desire is to minister to the heart of God through worship and prayer morning, noon, and night. That's where we are going. Our prayer room is going to be like a, a furnace where we get to enjoy the presence of God, magnify his holy name, and when people come into it, it'll be like a furnace or a, a, a greenhouse or a hot box where you come in and you experience God just because you're coming into a presence where we've all created an atmosphere of his glory. Amen? So, our, uh, I mean, you heard the announcement. Our prayer sets are running Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and I strongly encourage you guys to come. We, we don't want to do church as normal. Y'all have seen church as normal. We've tried church as normal. We've played church. Many of us have played church for, for many, many years. It doesn't work. But when we, I, I firmly, strongly believe that when we begin to minister to his heart, we will get his ways, and his ways will transform our town. So 
So um, I want to invite you guys into something. I'm going to fast for the next three days. So I just lost my reward, right? I'm just kidding. I told you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a corporate fast. A lot of people know about it. But I'm going to fast for the next three days. I'm going to spend time praying for our nation and for this election. I want to invite you guys to join me. Um, I want to pray over these next few days that through these trying times, God would bring supernatural peace and unity to our nation and that no violence would be heard in our land. I'm tired of violence. Aren't you guys tired of violence? Lord, we're tired of violence. We implore you right now that you would cloak our nation with the spirit of peace. I'm going to be praying for our elected officials to meet God. I'm going to be praying that God would do for them what he did for me, that they would have road to Damascus moments, road to Emmaus moments, that they would get knocked off their donkeys, that they would, however it takes, that they would encounter the goodness of God. Um, I, I want to pray that they would meet God, agree with God, and that our, the laws of our land would begin to mirror the laws of Jesus's civil laws and the, his values, his principles. So I want you all to join me. This is voluntary. I can't require anything of you, and it wouldn't mean anything if I could. So just please join me. Um, and then at the end of the service tonight, I felt just compelled to uh, actually go into intercession for our nation. And so I forgot to run this by you, but we're going to call up the worship team. We're going to pray for a little while and intercede for the nation, okay? Exciting? Okay. So speaking of prayer, um, not right now. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome back, Trey. <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah, I meant later. <laughs> it's my bad. Okay, so... Um, Studies have shown that everyone prays, even atheists. Humans are considered creatures who pray. I don't know that might sound counterintuitive or like a surprise to you, but here's the thing. Many humans, they don't know. We don't know that we're praying. We don't know that we're praying. But in, in their inner world, they're praying or worshiping something. Whether it's some dialogue with an unknown deity, a daydream where they're hoping for good things or they're wishing upon a star. A famous theologian once called prayer, uh, raising our hearts and minds to God. I, I thought about that. It's pretty cool, but it sounds a little bit one-sided for me because I believe that God is pursuing us more than we've ever been able to pursue him. I, I like a definition of prayer as something more like it's our friendship with God expressed in a lively conversation. It's our friendship with God expressed through moments of talking with him, moments of connecting with him. There's a lot of ways to pray. Um, and I want to talk about uh, how we can enjoy our connection with God more through prayer. So, in other words, how do we enrich the conversation First thing, thankfulness and gratitude. Thanking God is like the secret sauce to upper room worship, even though it's no secret. Like we, <laughs> we come together and we just get grateful, don't we? We just start naming off all the things we're grateful for. I mean, even during COVID, we're like, Lord, I'm grateful for 
toilet paper and that I found that long lost bottle of hand sanitizer. Thank you, Jesus. Like we're, we're just, we come together. We thank him for our families. We thank him for that. Our borders are protected. We thank him that we, we get to encounter him. We thank him that when we worship him, it's not just some empty thing where we don't feel anything, but we our synapses and nerve endings and goosebumps are firing off in his presence. Like we just get thankful and we know that we enter his, his courts with thanksgiving, his gates with praise. That was backwards, but you know what I'm saying. I believe that gratitude gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to realign our emotions with heavens. When we get grateful, we begin to transcend our momentary troubles, and the Holy Spirit is able to bring us up higher in a tangible way. How else can we enrich our conversation? We just need to take the time. A lot of us, including me, we're, we're bouncing in our minds from idea to idea to idea, and we're bouncing around the world from obligation to obligation to obligation. And really, the Holy Spirit wants to be invited in on that adventure. He wants us to realize that he is riding shotgun with us. And he really loves it when we set aside time where it's just him and us. We're just talking with him. It's like a, it's like a date night. Remember those, babe? <laughs> Thomas Merton, he was a famous American monk and Catholic priest. He says, prayer is finding the place in you where you are here and now being created in God. I love that. Prayer is finding the place in you where you are here and now being created in God. See, God... God loves when we get involved in the process, whether it's the, whether it's the process of, of prophetic or the process of prayer. Um, are you guys familiar with Jeremiah 33, 3? 3, 3, 3. It's one of my favorites. It says, call to me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I always thought that was an intriguing verse because it's a famous prophet who like has a great track record of hearing God. He's in the Bible. It's Jeremiah. He's got a thick book. Like, he knows what it's like to hear from God. But in Jeremiah 33, 3, he's talking with Yahweh in that moment. And Yahweh says, hey, man, why don't you call to me? And then I'll show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. And so, it'd be like me calling up a buddy on the phone, calling him up. Hey, David, pretend like I'm calling you. Ring, ring. Hey, David, how you doing, bro? Hey, I got something amazing to tell you. Call me so I can tell you. You guys catch that? So Jer God ha has Jeremiah on the horn. And it's like he hangs up and says, if you call to me, I'll tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. In other words, he wants us actively involved in the process of the pursuit of his heart. He's, he's our lover, like he, he, and we're the beloved, which means that there is a divine romance and dance where we pursue and he pursues. Another way that we enrich our conversation with God is we speak to him with great honesty. In other words, what are you really thinking, Jeremy? What are you really feeling? What's really troubling you? If you, feel, if you feel guilt, you tell them, even if you don't know why. If you feel frustrated, you tell them, even if you don't know why. Usually we don't even know 
why we're feeling these things. And bringing it to him will be the thing where we begin the process of getting healed and freed from it. If you're feeling frustrated or weak, if you're feeling condemnation, we just go to him. We tell him. We get really honest with him. So I used to lead this ministry school many years ago, and every semester, when we started a new semester, I, I took the students out of town to this uh, ranch in East Texas, and we did this weekend retreat. We called it Freedom Party Weekend, and we had good food. We had team-building exercises. People faced their fears, and we worshiped, and we prayed, and there was teaching. It was just a, it was just a hoedown good time out in country Texas with the Holy Ghost. And the culmination of the three-day event uh, would end in this prayer activation that I would have everybody participate in. And it would look like this. So all the students and staff, they'd be in, in one room, but over here there's another empty room. It's just the way this place is set up. And we'd turn off the lights in the empty room, so it was a dark room, and we would face the microphone this way so that every student who came up to the mic was facing an empty room. And I would say to everyone, this is your moment to tell God anything you want to tell him in the presence of people who won't give up on you. I said, it doesn't have to sound like what you thought prayer is supposed to sound like. You, you can just talk to him. Cause, and I said, pretend like he's standing directly on the other side of the microphone, facing you, looking you in the eyes, and you can say anything you want to him. <sighs> We'd always have just these powerful moments. Um, of course, I would explain to them, don't confess any secret struggles that are better to be confessed in, you know, to, in a small group. Um, and there would be just these tears of gratitude. There would be rededications. There would be people confessing their fears. But tears would sweep through the room when students got really honest. It's like that, that humility, that vulnerability actually released an empowering grace that didn't just hit them, but it hit everybody in the room. So I did this... Uh, this exercise with Freedom Party Retreat uh, for like half a dozen semesters, and there was always great moments. Um, but we did a new semester, and this one girl uh, sat silently for most of the time when people went up telling Jesus whatever they wanted to tell him. And when she finally got up to the mic, she said, Why did you let them hurt me? And just broke. And it was uncomfortable. It was messy. And she was crying out to God for understanding of why this pain entered her life. And I had leaders looking at me, kind of ask, silently asking, like, should we shut this down? Like, what's going on? What's Jeremy going to do? But what I realized and what I felt is that we were standing on holy ground. And this is a moment that God had been waiting for for years and years and years. And that girl got tons 
of freedom at Freedom Party Retreat and for the, you know, the coming semester. It just set the tone for the whole semester, that moment of vulnerability. And it was messy, y'all. But I think that we've all missed dramatic moments with God by praying things that we think he wants to hear. Instead of just engaging in dialogue with our dad. The complaints of the psalmists aren't just prayers. They're eternal scripture. Some psalmist complaining about God in a way that God doesn't even exist is in our Bibles forever. <laughs> and it, I'm not saying that we make a habit of complaint. But if we've got something that has happened in our life or something we don't understand, God knows it. And if we keep on avoiding it and pretending like it's not there, then it's going to lead to toxic belief systems and behaviors in our life. See, we, we fear like that we're going to be coming off as irreverent. But we got to be more like blind, blind Bartimaeus, Right? He wanted one thing, and he was real loud about it, wasn't he? Jesus is walking through town with his posse. There's a huge crowd, and screaming on the side of the road is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. You know why we know Bartimaeus is son of Timaeus? It's a, it's a uh, scriptural thing that when they give that many details about a person's name, it usually means that they became an integral part of the group. In, in other words, yeah, it's Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. In other words, you can go ask him. He's the pastor of that church over there. <laughs> he'll, tell you him, he'll, he'll tell you himself. And so blind Bartimaeus is screaming out, son of David, have mercy on me. Don't pass me by. Son of David. He's just getting louder and louder, even though they're trying to shush him down. And then a guy comes over and says, take courage. Good news. Jesus is calling for you. So he drops his cloak, which is symbolic for all of us when we saw the moment that our eyes could be opened, all the things that we dropped. We stood up, and even though we couldn't fully see yet, we knew what direction we were going, and he begins to walk. It's a very not stereotypical for a blind guy to, to act so rashly. And then Jesus asked him the famous question, what is it that you want? And Bartimaeus could have told him anything could have asked for world peace or for all of his family members to be saved. But there was one thing that he really wanted, and it was to see. And if Jesus was standing, because, let me rephrase that, Jesus is in the room right now, guys. He's come with a posse of his angels. And you're Bartimaeus. And he's saying to you right now, what is it that you want me to do for you? That is your moment to engage in real prayer. See, he is our father. He's our dad. It's how Jesus nearly always addressed him. And then in John 20, he... he passed on, he made sure that we knew that the Father wasn't just Jesus' Father, that he was our Father. He said, I, I'm going, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. And then in, in John 16, he says, you have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. 
then you'll rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask anything, ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly. He will grant you your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you'll receive, and you'll have abundant joy. And Jesus is saying, you don't even need me to be your go-between messenger between you and the Father. Because I'm the firstborn among many. So Jesus is our big brother who's shown us that we can safely, confidently run to dad and present our requests to him. See, when I first moved to Texas, I had just lived through probably the most dynamic year of my life to date up until that point. Um. It was, in, it was a year where I had nearly this daily open heaven, like some sort of crazy encounter. I met Jesus twice. I know that that might not sound real. I met with Jesus twice. I met Jeremiah the prophet. I had all these crazy prophetic, I had three to five prophetic dreams a week where I was getting specific information. It was just a, it was a crazy transformational year for me. I was at minister school and it was wild. And um, I moved to Texas off the end of that year and I was understandably very passionate about God when I got here. And I was frequently at church prayer and worship meetings. And I would just get up to the mic and I would cry out to God and I'd pray. And, and I was just this, it, I was like a bleeding heart. I wore my heart on my sleeve. And, and um, I had a pastor come up and tell me, I made people uncomfortable because I prayed with too much emotion. <laughs> a pastor pastor who I love, we all make mistakes. Um, and I said, okay. And I walked away. I'm, I'm never good at like confrontation in the moment. I never think through like a good rebuttal. I'm, all, I'm that guy that walks away and, and thinks, oh, I should have said that. It's God protecting me. <laughs> but I walked away thinking like too much emotion when I pray. Like, what is that even possible? And I, and I started like searching my, you know, catalog of scriptures in my brain and I'm pouring over the Bible and Hebrews 5, 7, Jesus, on occasion, he would pray with loud cries and tears. Jesus himself, who knew that his prayers would be answered, would somehow still be overcome with emotion. Jesus wept with Lazarus, Lazarus' family members, even though he knew very well that he's the resurrection and the life. Paul would pray and adjure his churches with great emotion, and it seems as if emotion is an inescapable contact point for our hearts to deeply interact with God in prayer. Emotion is an inescapable contact point for us to interact with God. And we've been We've, we've put emotion in a box back here where it's less than, you know, it's the soul. We want to go to the spirit. And it's like, <laughs> if you figure out how to separate your soul and spirit, just let me know. A bone and marrow, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I want to end things tonight before we go into intercession by just going over the Lord's Prayer in Old King Jimmy version. Y'all know the first line. Uh, repeat after me. Our Father who art in heaven. There's that relationship again. He's our dad. Uh, the part that stood out to me this last time when I was meditating is the in heaven part. And I think that what Jesus was saying in this moment is that 
He's above being manipulated. He's the most high in which all dimensions are held together. Meaning we can't twist his arm, but he loves the stuffing out of us. We can't twist his arm. My, my daughters, they can't twist my arm. They're not strong enough. But they bat their eyes, don't they? <laughs> and I love them, and I want to give them the good things. How much better is our Father in heaven? Repeat after me. Hallowed be thy name. We hallow his name. The triune God is in this divine dance of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, the word Yahweh in and of itself carries great magnificence, but it's not just the actual word Yahweh that is so hallowed. Um, The name of the Lord, if you do an Old Testament study on the name of the Lord, the name actually becomes a theophany, which is a big word for God actually shows up. There's physical manifestations of the name that goes before Israel. It, it'll really enrich your understanding of even worship songs when we're singing, how beautiful is your name, how powerful is your name, your name goes before me. Lord of all the earth, we shout your name. And it's just that he, he will actually show up as the name. So hallowed be thy name. Next line, repeat after me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, right away we're recognizing that there's a difference between heaven, what heaven's kingdom is like and what earth is currently like. And Jesus is saying that we have the ability to call down, to invite, to pray in what heaven is like and make earth look like what heaven is like. It's really good news. So the, the kingdom of heaven involves all the glorious principles, realities, and creatures of the heavenly realm. It's throne room worship, it's harp and bowl, it's streets of gold, it's angels who do his bidding and minister to his saints, it's love, joy, peace, and righteousness, and the Holy Ghost. His kingdom coming means healing, deliverance, souls being made whole, no lack, and no violence. Isaiah 9-7 says that of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That is kingdom coming. And it comes through us partnering with the Holy Ghost in prayer. Repeat after me. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is not telling us to ask for Sarah Lee so we can make PB&J sandwiches. He's not, ask, he's not telling us that we need to stock our cupboards with a new loaf. He already told us that we don't have to pray for what we eat or what we wear. God knows that we need those things, and he gives it to us. And so Jesus actually, in Luke 11, he launches into a parable about bread. So he prays the famous prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And then he goes right into a a parable about bread, which ends with, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, the, will your Father in heaven give the Holy Ghost to those who ask? So this daily bread is actually super substantial bread. It's a daily dose of the Holy Ghost. Repeat after me. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
Jesus knows that us forgiving others is key for us walking in empowering grace. Repeat after me, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is great news. We can actually be spared of temptations and protected from the perversions of our desires. Anybody in here ever wake up and think, I hope I tangle with the devil himself today? No, we don't. That's not what we don't wake up thinking that. Even the archangel Michael couldn't, like, he wouldn't dare raise a word of rebuke against that mighty one, but instead said, the Lord rebuke you. This is the last line. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Worship team, can you come on up? We've just got a few minutes left. And I want to give us, uh, remind us of a, a few uh, directional words for intercession. We're going to be praying that God's kingdom would come in America as it is in heaven. We're going to be praying that God would do for our leaders what he's done for us. We are going to be praying for salvations. We're going to be praying that our laws match up with heavens. We're going to be praying the things that come onto your heart. And, and we're going to present our requests to God, whether you feel great emotion or not.